Hello, hello. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. As we do on most Wednesdays, I'm going to give you a rundown of some of the things that are happening in the news and, of course, give you my analysis on them. Sometimes we go through one particular thing that's happening in politics or the news. Like last Wednesday, we talked about the Equality Act, and we spent the entirety of our 30 or so minutes talking about that. Sometimes we run through some major stories, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, We are going to talk about uh, a Supreme Court decision on abortion. We are also going to give a little bit of an update on the presidential election or the primaries that are gearing up and some of the back and forth between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. We're also going to talk about, if we have time, this crazy BuzzFeed story about Ben Shapiro and a guy who supposedly was radicalized by Ben Shapiro into becoming a Nazi, which is absolutely crazy. Um, We'll see what we have time for. Sometimes some of these stories kind of run a little long with my commentary and I don't get to everything, but we're going to try to get to all of that today. So let's start with what I think is the most important story, and that is a story on abortion. Now, we've been talking about that a lot recently because of specifically the Georgia legislation, which banned abortion uh, after six weeks. It's called a fetal heartbeat bill. That's typically when you can find a baby's heartbeat is at right about uh, six weeks and it made an exception for rape and incest up to 20 weeks, and then, of course, an exception for the life of the mother. The Alabama law, however, uh, the Alabama bill that was signed into law uh, by a female governor, by the way, it banned abortion, period. So there were no exceptions for rape and incest. The only exception that was made was for the life of the mother. Now, there's been a lot of misinformation surrounding these two pieces of legislation to protect unborn children from the pro-choice side. You've heard that women are going to be prosecuted. You've heard that women are going to, uh, they're going to have to be investigated if they have a miscarriage. And if they ended up, if it wasn't a miscarriage, if it was actually they took an abortive pill illegally or something like that, that they're going to spend their lives in jail. Well, none of that is true. Nothing in these bills, and you can Google, read Alabama bill or read Georgia bill, and you might have to actually dig a little bit deeper to read the actual text of the bill, you'll see that nothing is included about prosecution of the woman. There is in no case, no case that I know of, is a woman ever going to be prosecuted for aborting her child. Now, there are pro-lifers who disagree with that. There are pro-lifers actually who disagree and who think that a woman should be held liable for killing her unborn child. But in these uh, pieces of legislation, that is not the case. The abortion, the person who performs the abortion illegally uh, will be held accountable and could spend a, a long time in jail, but the women will not be prosecuted. And it's really crazy the links that the pro-choice side is going to to spread this kind of misinformation to fear monger, uh, saying that women no longer have control of their bodies. It's just white men that are trying to take control because of some addiction to the patriarchy. They forget that there are millions of women, women like me, probably a lot of women listening to this podcast, who are pro-life. They say that, oh, men are passing these bills and they're passing these laws and they don't know anything about a woman's body. Well, as I've said before, I would venture to guess, and I don't know this as a hard, fast fact, but I would venture to guess that mothers, there are probably more mothers, people who have actually experienced motherhood for themselves uh, biologically that have been pregnant and given birth 
Uh, there are probably more biological mothers who are pro-life than biological mothers who are pro-choice. That is just my guess because, and the reason why I guess that is because so many of the arguments, if not every single argument that I see from the pro-choice side denies basic biology of how a baby is made, like how fertilization happens, uh, gestational stages, fetal development. It's so ignorant to basic science that it's hard for me to believe that the that the people that are making these arguments have actually had children. So as we've talked about many, many times on this podcast, all of the pro-choice arguments are straw men. And we're going to look at some of the worst arguments today as we examine the Supreme Court uh, case or the Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court decided to uphold part of an Indiana law and struck down another part of an Indiana law. This was a law that was, or was a bill that was signed into law by uh, then Governor Mike Pence in 2016, I believe it was. Uh, So before he became vice president, obviously. So the Supreme Court upheld the part of the law that says aborted babies have to be cremated or buried. So before that, they could just be disposed of any way Planned Parenthood or an abortion mill wanted them to be disposed of. Of course, we know that they were uncovered for actually selling uh, fetal body parts at one point. A lot of people will tell you that's just a conspiracy theory that didn't really happen. No, it's not a conspiracy theory. They were caught on tape. They were not, as far as we know, deceptively edited. We know that there is actually an industry that profits from uh, aborted children. And so that's that's not a conspiracy. So we have no idea really what was happening to these uh, children who were aborted before this law was passed. So the Supreme Court said, yes, Indiana, you can uh, require that these sinners who perform abortions have to cremate the babies or bury the babies. And of course, this is an effort to uh, validate what we already know scientifically about these aborted babies is that they are human beings and beyond that that they are actually people and because they are people they have rights now i would obviously go so far as to say uh very uh fundamentally that people also have the right not to be aborted but unfortunately that argument falls on deaf ears for millions of people who just seem to be completely clouded in their understanding of reality i mean think about being on the other side of this issue think about being on the other side of this who is arguing that no that babies shouldn't be buried or cremated why why do you care uh, There are legitimately people saying that this law that requires, uh, I keep saying unborn, but it's really aborted babies, aborted babies to be buried or cremated. There are legitimately people saying that this takes away some kind of rights, that this is too coercive, that this is too burdensome on abortion centers. I just don't understand that. That's when you see that this is no longer about being pro-choice, that this is about being pro-abortion, that this is really dark and demonic stuff. Can you imagine arguing that no, an aborted child, you can actually see pictures of aborted children if you just want your heart to break. You can actually see pictures of them online. Uh, No, they shouldn't be buried or they shouldn't be cremated. No, they should just be disposed of. No, they should just be sold or they should just be whatever. They should just be discarded like trash. Imagine making that argument and thinking that you're making a moral argument. I mean, how 
how demonic and how callous do you have to be to think that you are on the right side of history by advocating for that? Because again, you're not talking about a woman's choice at that point. Like the child is out of the woman's body. This has nothing to do with abortion, really, has nothing to do with a woman anymore. This has to do with how you see aborted babies. And if you read about this story on CNN or any kind of left-wing source, they're going to call it fetal tissue. They'll call it fetal tissue or fetal parts. It's not just tissue. That is an effort to dehumanize what we know is human. If it wasn't human, it wouldn't be called an abortion. Um, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine being on the other side of this and thinking that I am right and thinking that in the freest and the most prosperous country in the world that we have to tell our women that the best option for them is to kill their child. I can't imagine that. And of course, that goes beyond this issue of cremating or burying uh, the aborted child. But again, this entire mindset of the pro-choice side is so baffling to me. Now, this is the even sadder part that I would say that this any of this had to go to the Supreme Court is sad, but here's the even sadder part, um, that the Supreme Court actually struck down the part of the Indiana law that says you cannot perform an abortion that is chosen based on race, sex, or disability. So basically saying uh, what the left says all the time about discrimination outside of the womb is that you can't discriminate uh, against people based on their immutable characteristics. You can't do that. But here they're saying when it comes to abortion, you are totally able to do that. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court uh, upheld that they cannot uh, they cannot prohibit abortion centers from allowing or performing abortions where a mother is doing so based on the race of her child, which, of course, you would already know the race based on your own race and the race of the father. But the race of the child, the sex of uh, the child or uh, the disability of the child. And again, think about being on the other side of this and trying to make a coherent and even a moral argument for this, that you should be able to do this. Think about making the argument that you should be able to kill your child because your child is a girl and you don't want a girl. You wanted a son. Think about that. Think about uh making the argument that you should be able to abort your child because your child has Down syndrome. What if one day we have technology that shows that um, we can tell that our child is going to have autism or our child isn't going to have the highest IQ in the world or the child uh, isn't going to be as beautiful or as whatever as you want them to be? That is eugenics. That's exactly what eugenics is. That's exactly how Planned Parenthood got started. That is exactly how every... uh, evil humanitarian tragedy has has perpetuated or has gone on uh, throughout the world is by dehumanizing one group, by calling them uh, no longer valuable because of some kind of perceived deficiency. Can you imagine being on that side and thinking that you are righteous and thinking that you are right? There is no other way to describe being pro-choice in America in 2019 with all of the technology that we have, with everything that we know about what goes on inside the womb. There is nothing else that we can call this except sin, except uh an utter travesty that is being held up and inflamed by Satan himself. And I truly mean that. And if you are a Christian who calls yourself pro-choice, I would, I would seriously examine first 
how much you actually know about abortion. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and I'll say, well, maybe you just don't know that much about abortion. Maybe you don't understand what it is. But if you know that, if you know that and you're still okay with it, you're still okay with giving someone the choice to do that, then I would seriously ask you to examine where you are in your faith. Now, this does not say that you, or this is not to say that you have to agree with uh, me or conservatives on everything in order to be a good Christian. I'm not saying that at all, but this is an issue of life or death. This is an issue that is so black and white, according to God's word, that really we should examine our hearts if we are not passionately for ending something like this. Um, So that's the latest in abortion. This is going to be a conversation that continues to go on for a long time. And as I've said, uh, Christians, I believe, have a responsibility to do something about this. Now, this doesn't just mean legislatively. This doesn't just mean through political processes, although I do think it's important to outlaw something like this in the same way that that slavery should have been outlawed. We need to outlaw abortion. But it also means taking care of these mothers who are in crisis making sure that they know that they have real options. The true pro-choice side, by the way, is the pro-life side because we offer uh, a greater number of options than Planned Parenthood does. Planned Parenthood says you can get an abortion. If you're not going to get an abortion, we can't really help you. A pro-life pregnancy center says, what do you want to do? We will help you keep your baby. We will help you put your baby up for adoption. We will help you find a family. We will help you get out of this uh, abusive situation. We will help you um, get. We will help you get education, or we will help you get parenthood education classes. We will make sure that you are prepared to have this child as much as we possibly can. We will give you baby supplies. We will give you bottles and cribs and everything that you need. There are thousands of pregnancy centers throughout the country doing that, giving real options and real alternatives to abortion. Planned Parenthood does not do that. So not only is pro-life the life-giving side, it's also the choice-offering side as well. Again, as I've said before, and I will say a million times, there's no reason, there's no logical, moral, philosophical, or theological reason to be pro-choice. There just isn't. One thing you can do if you are interested in helping mothers who are in crisis and helping uh, their babies or just helping mothers in general who uh, are, are wanting to keep their babies, but they're just feeling unprepared. Maybe they're not in crisis, but they're just scared because they're young or they're they weren't expecting to be pregnant. If you want to help these mothers, which like I said, we all should, a really easy way to do that. Um, I have a registry on Amazon and you can see it if you go to the link in my profile on Instagram and it's under my name, but anything that you buy on that registry goes to a pregnancy center in Texas, a pro-life pregnancy center. I have been there. I have seen firsthand their work. Uh, We give our own money to this pregnancy center because we believe so much in what they do. They have mobile sonogram units where uh, women can get free sonograms, where they can get prenatal vitamins, where they can um, get help in finding a doctor that's going to be able to help them through their pregnancy. Uh, They are amazing and they do incredible work and they're also sharing the gospel when they have the opportunity with these women and offering real wisdom and like I said real options. So 
really easy way to do that. You can go to my profile, go to my Amazon registry. You can buy prenatal vitamins that are, you know, seven bucks. You can buy a crib, which is at maybe 150 bucks, or you can just donate money. But none of this stuff goes to me. The only benefit that I get from it is knowing um, that there are so many generous people out there who want to help these mothers. So that, uh, that is a really easy way that that you can help and you could do that right now if you wanted to. Okay, so moving on from the abortion topic, uh, let us talk about what's going on in the presidential election. If you didn't know that's happening, there are, I think, there are exactly 1,732 Democrats that are running for the Democrat uh, nomination for president. So I think that's the exact number the last time I looked. But the person that is leading in the polls is none other than former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, now, here's an interesting thing about Joe Biden is that he hasn't actually had a public appearance in a while. He's just done some small things, some high dollar donor meetings and things like that. But he hasn't actually done a rally in a while. Now, some people are saying that this is maybe because he is uh, lacking enthusiasm at these rallies and the attendance is low and he knows it's going to kind of be bad PR if he keeps showing up at these places with a ton of seats and only half of them are filled. And I think there's probably something to that. I mean, it's a little odd otherwise for him not to be having consistent public appearances when the other presidential candidates are and when people like Elizabeth Warren are picking up steam. Um, but I, I think he realizes that his best bet is just kind of sitting back and existing, uh, that he will probably win the Democratic nomination and he doesn't have to go out there and risk that not a lot of people are going to come to his rallies because I don't think that he has a lot of enthusiasm behind his name, but I think people will vote for him. Does that make sense? Like, I think that people will vote for Joe Biden. Democrats will vote for Joe Biden. Um, in the primary because they realize that he is a safe bet against Donald Trump, that he's probably going to beat Donald Trump, that he's not too radical. He's not a moderate, but they kind of see him as a moderate. They see him as being able to reach blue collar Americans. And I think what most Democrats are concerned with is not as much pushing a far left wing ideology, but beating Donald Trump. And I think that a lot, the reason why he's leading in the polls is because they see him as the best way to do that, but they're not so excited about him that they're going to leave their homes and go rally for him. That is my hypothesis about this whole thing. And I think that Joe Biden realizes that, which is exactly why he's not going out and doing a bunch of these public events. So I, I do think that my prediction is that he is going to win the nomination. Who actually knows? I think that there are a lot of people on the far left, on the socialist left, who would not be happy about that, who don't think that he is radical enough. He's not far left enough. I think that there are a lot of millennials who probably aren't excited about that. I mean, he has been in politics for twice my lifetime. Maybe not. No, that's a little much. Well, probably almost twice my lifetime. Um, he has been in politics for a really long time and he hasn't always been as far left as he is claiming to be now or as progressive as he's presented himself to be under Barack Obama. Uh, he voted yes on the 1994 crime bill that a lot of people are decrying. A lot of people are saying are bad or was bad because it was so tough on crime. Uh, he voted against partial birth abortion. He's done that time and again. He was against or opposed Anita Hill and her testimony 
testimony in the whole Clarence Thomas controversy. Uh, he has said comments in the past that have been construed as racist. Uh, he called Barack Obama a nice, clean African, African-American man. I, I don't even know if he said African-American, but he called him nice and clean uh, because he was African-American, which I would say is a racist thing to say. And so he's not quite woke enough. He is an old white guy that's been around for a long time, that is also a product of his time. And of course, there was the whole controversy with him being overly touchy with women and even girls in public. And so there are a lot of people that have a problem with him. But again, I think they see him as an alternative to Trump and a safe bet. And they realize that once he's in office, they're probably going to be able to get him to do what they want him to do, even if he's not quite woke enough for them. I mean, we already saw him kind of act acquiesced to the far left with the whole thing. He said something nice about Mike Pence in public. And then Cynthia Nixon, you know, the socialist and the sex in the city actress from New York who ran and lost when she ran for governor. Um, she got mad at Joe Biden publicly for saying anything nice, saying that uh, Mike Pence was a decent man because of what he's done to the LGBTQ community. And Joe Biden came out and said, oh, you are right, Cynthia. I was just talking when it came to foreign policy or something like that. Um, But you're absolutely right. So he's already bowing down to the woke left. He's already bowing down to these people. And so they probably see him as, um, and I'm not actually calling him this, but I think they see him as a useful idiot, that they will, that he will do whatever they want him to do, even if he isn't as far left himself as they want him to be. And and I would say that's how a lot of Republicans saw and see Donald Trump, that he might not be as ideological, ideologically, gosh, conservative as we would like him to be. But we realize that once he's in there, he's going to surround himself by conservative voices, a conservative administration, and that he's probably going to carry out a lot of the things that conservatives want him to. And so I think Democrats probably see Joe Biden in much of the same way. Now, speaking of Donald Trump and Joe Biden, there was a back and forth. Well, I wouldn't even say a back and forth. It was really just Trump, I guess, trying to trigger Joe Biden. Uh, Trump said this about him on Twitter. North Korea fired off some small weapons, which disturbed some of my people and others, but not me. I have confidence that Chairman Kim will keep his promise to me and also smiled uh, when he called Swamp Man Joe Biden a low IQ individual and worse. Perhaps that's sending me a signal, question mark? Okay, so he this was a tweet by the president of the United States. He actually tweeted this exact thing first, but he misspelled Joe Biden's last name. So, okay, Um, so he deleted that. He sent it out again, and then he repeated basically the same thing at a press conference in Japan. Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. But. At the same time, uh, my people think it could have been a violation, as you know. I view it differently. I view it as a man. Perhaps he wants to get attention. And perhaps not. Who knows? It doesn't matter. All I know is that there have been no nuclear tests. There have been no ballistic missiles going out. There have been no long-range missiles going out. Uh, So I am not particularly down on this. Like, I'm not... I don't like hearing the president talk about a fellow American in this way when it's 
when it's to flatter a dictator. Now, of course, we know that President Trump is going to throw punches like that. I expect I expect him to call Joe Biden swamp man or call him a low IQ individual. That's just something that we've come to expect from this president. And I guess we've come to expect this next part, too. But it's what really bothers me is doing it almost in favor of a dictator. Now, a lot of people are going to say, no, this is just strategy. This is just Trump speaking truth. But that really bothers me that people are starting to have that mentality. Like I got some comments on Twitter when I said, you know, basically that this is stupid that he said this. A lot of people saying, well, if Kim Jong-un is right, he's right. No, no. Like I'm going to stick up for Joe Biden over Kim Jong-un Every day of the week. That doesn't mean I like Joe Biden. That doesn't mean that I agree with Joe Biden, but he is a fellow American. And Kim Jong-un is not just a leader of another country. He is a dictator of another country who has wrought more suffering on his own people than I think that any of us can even imagine. He's poisoned his own people. He's killed his own people. He has uh, tortured and put in internment camps anyone who would oppose him or who uh, who doesn't follow exactly to the letter what Kim Jong-un wants. There is no freedom of speech. There's no freedom of religion. There is no freedom of the press. There is no freedom of anything in North Korea. He is an evil, evil man who has caused uh, so much human suffering in his own country. So for us, even in a joking manner as the freest country in the world and as the last beacon of liberty that exists to say that, oh, you know, wink and a nod at Kim Jong-un, he said something that I don't like uh, about my political opponent. I'm just not comfortable with that. But with Donald Trump, we know that what he cares about more than anything is loyalty. That's what he cares about. That's why he probably does have a little bit of an affinity towards Kim Jong-un and people like Putin. Now, I don't think, as a lot of people on the left have said, that it's because he is a dictator too, and that's why he's doing these things. No, I don't think so. His policy has not supported at all that he is a dictator. Uh, He's not a dictator. I do think that he has an affinity for these strongman personalities, unfortunately, in some of these dictatorial countries because they have showed, I guess, some kind of deference to him or like some kind of respect to him. And he just wants loyalty. I don't think he really cares if someone's an American or not, which is why it bothers me that part of his agenda is the America first agenda. I'm not so sure that's true ideologically for him. I think loyalty to Donald Trump is really what he cares about more than anything. And you can totally disagree with me on that. You guys know I voted for Trump in 2016. I thought that he was the only alternative to Hillary Clinton, whose presidency I thought would be absolutely disastrous. And I think I was right on that, that it would have been disastrous. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to say something when Donald Trump does something like this that I think is totally atrocious and totally uncalled for. It also is why it really bothers me when people compare Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan. No, Donald Trump is not Ronald Reagan. I mean, you could say maybe in some ways that he was hated by the establishment, that he was this kind of like charming entertainer that came in. Okay, sure, you can say that. But Ronald Reagan, the man, Ronald Reagan, the person of integrity and character and charisma and uh even just his articulateness, if that's a word, uh, that man and Donald Trump really have nothing in common. 
They really, they really don't. And so I don't appreciate that comparison. You can love Donald Trump and there are a lot of good things that Donald Trump has done. I just don't think that's a very accurate or fair comparison to Ronald Reagan just because they're a little bit different. I just don't see Ronald Reagan putting the, or, or winking at a dictator just because that dictator said something that he didn't like or, or said something that he liked about one of his opponents. In fact, I think Ronald Reagan would have chastised the dictator and said, hang on just a second. You can't say that about one of my fellow Americans. And it would have been awesome and such a change and such a breath of fresh air to see uh, President Trump do something like that. But I just am not sure that that is within his character. Uh, now, a lot of people are talking about impeaching Donald Trump right now. We had Rashida Tlaib recently on a show say that we, you know, we're moving towards impeachment. There's been a lot of back and forth on this. I personally don't think it's going to happen because Democrats aren't united. Not only are they not united on whether or not they're going to do this, but they're also not united on why they're going to do this. So we get a lot of different reasons. We know that Mueller's report uh, in the Russian Russian collusion investigation really showed up with nothing. Now they're trying to spin this narrative that, oh, no, it did show up with something and, and we can actually prove obstruction of justice, even though they were... Uh, betting fully and depending on Mueller to come up with what they wanted. Mueller didn't come up with what they wanted. And so now they're saying, no, there's still reason. There's still obstruction of justice here. We're going to impeach him. But some people don't agree with that. Some people are saying, oh, no, no, it has to do with his financial dealings. Uh, the New Yorker had a piece on their site that said, no, we need to impeach him for bigotry. And uh, then you have this whole thing with arms sales to Saudi Arabia where he bypassed Congress, which, by the way, I don't agree with. But now there are some Democrats saying that, oh, well, we need to impeach him because of that. So there are a lot of different reasons, which makes it seem like they're just grasping for straws. If they were united behind one message and one why for why he should be impeached, uh, then it might be a little bit more convincing. But the majority of the American public, I think it's like something like 56%, is not in favor of impeachment proceedings. Um, and that includes people who don't like Donald Trump. They just don't think that it's going to be worth it. So Democrats, I think, are not playing this probably as well as they could, especially for a side that's typically pretty almost creepily united on their message. They seem to be very fragmented. And that's because they don't have a leader right now, because Nancy Pelosi has completely bowed down and acquiesced to the far left freshmen in her party, particularly in the House. And she just doesn't make decisions. She said that she didn't want impeachment. Now she's saying, OK, maybe so. They're just oscillating so much on this that it's really hard to see how they're going to be able to go through with it. So we'll keep our eye on that. Okay, one final story that doesn't have anything to do with that, but it's just crazy and something that we've talked about in the past. So BuzzFeed reported a story about uh, a guy who vandalized a synagogue with swastikas, just an idiotic boy. He actually must be older than he looks in this picture because he has a wife. So here's what they tweeted about this story. A man who vandalized a synagogue with Nazi symbols told federal agents his road to radicalization included meeting with the far right group Identity Europa and reading Ben Shapiro, Breitbart News and the Nazi propaganda site Stormfronts. Um, well, People all had a good laugh about that. And of course, we're ratioing BuzzFeed on Twitter. So you're telling me this guy who vandalized a synagogue was radicalized by an Orthodox Jew. Like that that's what you're going for? 
That's the line of reasoning you got for us. That's your investigative reporting BuzzFeed. Okay. Well, don't worry because then then they corrected the tweet. They corrected the tweet. They said, we have deleted this tweet because it was inaccurate. The man told prosecutors his road to radicalization included his wife. Reading Ben Shapiro, Breitbart News, and the Nazi propaganda site Stormfront. Except, except the problem with this sentence still is that he didn't say that this was his road to radicalization. He just said his wife started reading Ben Shapiro. Obviously, Anyone who has listened to Ben Shapiro, whether you like him or not, knows that in no way are you going to go from listening to Ben Shapiro and being like, you know what? I love this guy. I love this guy. I'm going to be a Nazi. No, the people who are on in the alt right or the people who are white supremacists, the people who are part of these white supremacist groups hate Ben Shapiro. They hate Ben Shapiro just as much, if not more than they hate people on the left. I have talked to some people in the alt-right. They also hate people like me. They like identity politics. They think identity politics are great. They have no problem with people on the left perpetuating identity politics and perpetuating the supremacy of their own groups because they believe as white supremacists that they have just as much of a right to do that. So these people that are in these groups have nothing to do with Ben Shapiro whatsoever. Like I said, anyone who has read Ben Shapiro, anyone who listens to Ben Shapiro understands that he is thoughtful, that he is a mainstream conservative. You might not agree with everything that he said. He's even said, you know, I've said some things that uh, I don't, I don't mean, or I shouldn't have said, which I would say I have too. We all have. But to say that someone is radicalized to be a Nazi of all things, a Nazi, not even just, I don't know, something else, but a Nazi by a radicalized Jew, it is insane. But this is purposeful. This is purposeful by the media. And before I even give my commentary, let me read this tweet, which I think uh, sums it up very well. David Rayaboy, I'm not totally sure how to pronounce it. He's a national security expert. He said this on Twitter. The first word is an expletive. It says expletive you, BuzzFeed News. Imagine, if you would, that what we're talking or that we're talking about a jihadi. They wouldn't want to dig too deeply into his reading material, certainly. Of course, it's not about Ben Shapiro. It's about making even the most mainstream conservative voices akin to Nazism. And he is exactly right. We have talked about this before. This is media's purposeful game, is that they put something out there that lumps someone like Ben Shapiro or another mainstream thoughtful conservative. They lump him in with extremists. They lump him in with Nazism. They lump him in with white supremacists or they lump any mainstream mainstream conservative into this group. Even if they retract it later, they understand that the original damage has been done and they do not care. When they retract these stories or when they make an edit, when they... Uh, have made a mistake and they own up to it. It is not because they are people of integrity. It's because they understand the damage has been done. And later when people criticize them about it, they can say, hey, well, we apologized. We did what we could. We made the correction. But in reality, they are very proud of the mistake mistake that they deliberately made because they know the impression that it put on people. And this is their strategy to drum up as much outrage and as much fear about mainstream conservatism as they possibly can by lumping them in with Nazis so that more and more people who don't know better start associating Ben Shapiro and start associating mainstream conservatives with extremism so that especially kids will be like, well, I don't want to be a conservative because I'm not a racist. I don't want to be a conservative because I'm not a radical. I'm not an extremist. I 
don't want to be lumped in with a Nazi. I'm not going to listen to Ben Shapiro because I don't want to be known as a Nazi. That's what they're doing. They're trying to scare people away from people like him. And they would not be doing this if Ben Shapiro didn't have an incredible impact. They know how popular his podcast is. They know how popular his content is. They know that he's having an impact. They know that he's changing people's uh, minds about these things. And they want to scare people away from him so they can say, you know what? I don't want to be a bigot. So I don't know what I think, but I know I'm not going to follow Ben Shapiro. And if you think that that's not also going to apply to other mainstream conservatives, to people like me, to other people that you follow that are mainstream conservatives, you are crazy. More and more, the people who don't know better will start listening to people like BuzzFeed, start listening to outlets like uh, the Washington Post or whatever that makes it seem like being a conservative, aka believing the things that people have believed for hundreds of years, like small government, like free markets, like uh, family values, that believing all of these things is radical and extreme. So people will be so scared that they won't don't want to associate with that site anymore. You've just got to shut it out. And you've got to realize that these people that are perpetuating misinformation are doing so from a place of evil. They're doing so from a place of deceit. And you, it is, uh, the onus is on you to be able to separate the truth from a lie. Uh, you have to be able to do your own research, to dig into these headlines and to ask yourself what is really true. And you can't let yourself be affected by these narratives that are orchestrated by people who hate conservatism and hate things that are true. Um, so that is my recommendation to you. It just, it dry, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. But I thank God that there are people out there like you that are smarter than all of this and hopefully are not duped by headlines. Okay, that's all we have time for today. We will be back here on Friday and I will see you then. 